Welcome back to the Nutanix Community Podcast with Dwayne Lesnar and Angelo Luciani. Let's get started. This week on the podcast, Dwayne speaks with Mark Lavi, Principal DevOps Advocate, about the Nutanix Hybrid Cloud Engineer Nanodegree Program from Udacity. This program offers an awesome opportunity to uplevel your skills and learn how to design, deploy, and maintain a hybrid cloud infrastructure. You can find more details to the program in the show notes. So with that, let's join the conversation. Hello, today we have Mark Lavi joining us to talk about a new Nutanix course provided by Udacity. Mark, thanks for joining. Thank you for having me. Uh, so having done one Udacity course myself, I know that it's a lot of work, um, but the Udacity people are true professionals. Um, and I know that it's not really the first time I hear like we've had a course for a while, but now we've just We've added more to the degree. Is that a correct statement? Not exactly. What we did is the, the, the degree course title is the Hybrid Cloud Engineer Nano Degree. And the goal of it was to help people take them from the journey of public, well, excuse me, private cloud infrastructure or HCI presented by Nutanix uh, to hybrid, uh, to private cloud automation, uh, where we use Calm, to public cloud uh, onboarding, and we give you just enough learnings about uh, AWS public cloud, and then bring that all together as a provider under Calm so that you can drive a hybrid web tier of an application, a demo demonstration sample application, very typical architecture for almost everything, all the way up to Facebook, all the way down to Amazon. such that you could also uh, do hybrid cloud management, hybrid cloud fiscal management with Beam. And so we take people all the way from soup to nuts on how do you become a hybrid cloud engineer and a practitioner, as well as a designer and all the kind of strategic and tactical decisions that are involved in doing so. And we spoil people rotten by helping them build those skill sets, exercise those skill sets, and then figure out the trade-offs for all of the ways that you can do these things in the public cloud, in the private cloud, and ultimately together in the hybrid cloud. Are there any prerequisites to getting started? Can, you know, do you just need a base level? Like, you know, I got my A plus certified, now I'm going to be a Nutanix, you know, engineer. Like what, what, how can I get started with the first course? Literally, we want people that have either experienced some public cloud or some, you know, VM virtualization platforms. So if you have a lot of vSphere or ESX experience, or if you've played in GCP or Azure or AWS, and you've been able to spin up VMs either in that public or that private cloud provider, then you've got all the basic experience for being a private cloud and then ultimately a hybrid cloud administrator. The other thing we ask is for basic command line uh, interface experience. So being familiar with PowerShell or Bash, for example, uh, and being at least able to kind of look at that scripting language and manipulate the scripting languages, but really only in the basic way. We take you through all of the other very basic things. If you've never touched Linux before, um, or if you've never touched AWS, or if you've never touched Nutanix before, we're going to take you from wherever you have been into this environment and then build you up to a hybrid cloud engineer. 
In an ever-changing job market, and obviously COVID is running rampant, and I'm, I'm even probably pretty sick to talk of it, to be honest, at this point. But, you know, your job may be changing. Um, that can be a positive as well. Uh, do we have, you know, is this a course for someone looking to just get into a new area that they could maybe use this as a stepping stone? Absolutely. Uh, all of the public cloud providers, and I dare say all the private cloud providers, all agree that hybrid cloud is the destination and they are all working to enable that. However, most of them, each of these different vendors typically does this in a proprietary fashion. My hybrid on either side of the public or private cloud divide. And this is where Nutanix and hopefully what we convey in the hybrid cloud engineer nano degree is that agnosticism or even being able to go multi-private cloud as well as multi-public cloud really being almost infrastructure agnostic is the key deciding factor of a good hybrid cloud engineer. Not that you won't pick a proprietary answer. You know, it might be the right way to get started, might be the right way to scope your first six months of a project, absolutely the right thing to do. But if you can't take the long-term view, and this is why it is essential to everybody's career, anywhere in IT, anywhere in operations, and I dare say anywhere in development and test as well, because not only you have to build the software, you have to deliver the software. Um, it is really a key skill to be able to understand the hybrid cloud and deliver the hybrid cloud as an engineer, no matter where you come from, anywhere on this divide or wherever your skill set is. This is where everybody, including all the industry leaders, are pointing towards. I think even if you just you know, whether K, so I'm going to, I'm doing GCP, I'm only doing GCP, but I think it just goes back to, you know, back years ago when people are like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be on NetApp, I'm going to be on Isilon. You, you still need to know what's out there to make good decisions long-term for your business. And, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And I think that is a good, a good place to be if you want something long-term and you care about the success, not only your career, but the company you work with. Cause you know, if they don't really do well, neither do you. So paychecks are nice. Precisely. And so that's why a lot in course one, we try to build up before you ever touch Nutanix. And again, we try to, while the course is delivered on top of Nutanix technologies, all of the introductions and all the conclusions are really about what are the skill sets and the business requirements and the decisions that are either tactical or strategic that you need to make in order to evaluate a vendor, evaluate a technology, evaluate an approach in order to get started. But ultimately, once we hopefully spoil you rotten with using it on top of Nutanix, um, you can take that and, and apply that for how do I use Amazon? How do I use GCP? How do I use VMware in a more agnostic manner such that I am hybrid cloud prepared? So these skill sets um, are really complementary to where everybody is, but ultimately where they want to go. And they feed back onto where you currently are, even if you're not ready to go hybrid cloud today. It's just this is the lingua franca that everybody wants to have the skill sets in, will get hired for, and increasingly needs to help every business on this earth compete in. So course one, we're going to get a pretty good base of private cloud infrastructure, kind of manage it, secure it, backup, networking, like the whole nine yards, data protection. And then going into course two, we're starting to look at automation. Are there particular key areas in, on the automation side that uh, that as a, as a user that I'm going to get out of it? 
Is it just strictly virtual machines or what's the, that layout look like? Sure. So uh, we try to talk about the progression in the IT industry as well as in the public cloud industry that that progression starts with infrastructure as a service. You know, how do I get my VMs? How do I get another database? And that's where almost everybody is in trying to establish their private cloud today. And that's what the public cloud has been delivering in spades for a decade plus now. So IaaS is where everybody pretty much starts in their automation journey. And not just doing IaaS, but also making that self-service, putting that under governance, putting that under quotas so that the QA team can't spin up 2,000 VMs in AWS and expend more than $10,000 a month or something like that. Giving self-service IaaS, even in the public cloud, is a problem these days. So we start there with automation and governance because you can't have governance and self-service and automation together without bringing all those things together. So IaaS is where we start, but that is really not where the industry is or what the expectations of the business are anymore. It's the next step after that is pass or platform as a service where it's don't give me just a VM and then I, the app owner, or I have to IT and operations has to hand off and then the app owners come in and then they make this from the operating system on up uh, a database or from a container runtime. This will be an Apache runtime or JBoss. It's, it's that past-like experiences where we finally start to deliver turnkey applications. This is a website, which might be three or four VMs and one or two containers. In this nano degree, we focused exclusively on VMs because adding in uh, containers would have been increased the scope greatly, too greatly, in fact. But everything that we learn with Calm Automation is abstractly very easily leveraged into containers, Kubernetes pods, and specifically, because that's a built-in capability of the product. The final step is once we've gotten through this pass where we're standing up and orchestrating a few things together to deliver an application, and then we change the conversation from not just IaaS lifecycle, you know, turning up the VMs and turning down the VMs and returning the IPs and returning the storage, we turn that to application lifecycle. So it's also turning up and down the entire resources and what's the right order of operations to back up a database uh, and restore a database, right? Do I need to turn off the load balancer, turn off the web servers and so on before I do those things? And what is the right way to do an application-wide snapshot of an application for a database, right? How do I freeze the state of everything? So that happens in the past context. And then we land at the final uh, arena, which is the SaaS context. Software as a service where it's continuous operations. So it's not just the database backups, but it's also how do I add another user into all of these systems and into LDAP? How do I add them into Active Directory and make sure that they show up in the WordPress site as well, right? How do we tie the full life cycle of birth to death of an application instance uh, with everything that people ask IT for after a ticket is closed, right? You gave me my HR system. How do I finally get uh, you know, users into it. How do I get more applications into it? How do I make all of that push button? And so that's where and we that's all up, in right. Uh, even though you might be completely hosting this on Nutanix in a private cloud, you can give a SaaS-like experience, and ultimately that SaaS experience doesn't matter whether it's private cloud, public cloud, or a hybrid cloud. It's just that you deliver this SaaS experience. So we tr constantly build the students up to be hybrid and SaaS-oriented in their design principles. And that's all in course two. Course two and three, to be fair, right? Because we okay. have to. And I'm like, wow, that's, yeah. that's a lot of work. The, the one thing that's kind of 
as you're talking about, it seems very general, like in the sense that you're using common constructs, which makes me think, you know, which is a positive thing because those things can transfer anywhere. What is your take on, it's not really probably related to the course, but I find interesting between Azure Functions versus Lambda versus something that is, you know, could be moved more generally available. If we're talking about moving in hybrid clouds, like how how do we orchestrate or build apps that don't get us locked into one one piece of the pie? So yeah, that that's under the umbrella of serverless and functions as a service. And so yeah, Lambda and Azure functions are vestiges, but unfortunately they're proprietary vestiges of or examples of how to implement serverless type facilities. So because we in this course, we didn't broach past VMs to get into the container world of containers uh, and Kubernetes, that's when we would have then started to talk about, all right, now how do we put a layer on top of Kubernetes? Uh, there's open FAS or functions as a service as a way to kind of get uh, to see what the black box is and what is the operating environment behind functions, which is almost anathema to what you really want to do. If you're finally going fully pass and SaaS-like with serverless, you don't care what the VM is. You don't care whether it's on Nutanix or something else in theory. But in reality, uh, when you use a Lambda or an Open Functions or Open Fast, even on top of Nutanix, you do care about what's the execution, the SLAs and the uptime and the basically the customer satisfaction of using those functions. And if it's completely black box and outsourced to a public cloud provider, you're at the limits of their support and their SLAs. And quite frankly, you have no idea what's going on in the black box other than you can say, look, it it runs but doesn't run well, uh, or it's not meeting my SLAs, how do we improve it? And my customers are yelling at me. So we really take the position that serverless is absolutely cutting edge and can be incorporated into any solution. However, it could be looked at in, in back to a hybrid cloud engineer viewpoint of things as yet one way to deploy parts of an application. And I want to load balance between maybe containers on-prem and Lambda, right? Why should there be a difference between these two things if they have the same APIs and functionality behind them? This is just a packaging and delivery exercise such that I can load balance it. between the two. And so Amazon can go away. You know, Lambda could give me not a suboptimal SLA and I can still scale people more towards where I have full control of the entire stack, whether that's, you know, on Nutanix clusters on Amazon, that could be fine too, right? That could be just yet another endpoint. So we look at it yeah, as I guess it goes to really the way to insulate yourself, but still control and still give yourself full options of the total spectrum of the market of delivery. Building building a blueprint and then changing what you need to, to to service your needs, I guess, is kind of the the general context there. Absolutely. Being somewhat- in fact, that is what we do in course three. We give you, uh, we help you kind of automate a three tier web application all on Nutanix, a load balancer, a web tier, and then a database. All that's done in course two on the private cloud, so it's on AHV. But in course three. We re-host the database onto Amazon and we create Amazon public security groups that allow bridging back to AHV cluster. And then we copy and clone the web tier and we re-host it not on AHV, but we re-host it on AWS such that the load balancer will now drive connections to AHV on-prem and AWS off-prem web tiers. And both of those web tiers reach back to Amazon uh, hosting the database. 
So that way we have this kind of diamond pattern where we can scale the web tiers independently of different infrastructure providers. And now the web tier at least is completely hybrid. And so if that's a web tier of containers, a web tier of serverless functions, it doesn't matter. Now the course has been running for a, for a bit now. Do do you want to share any you know stories with people that have taken it uh, as an example? Yeah, I don't know if you can share them publicly or not. Yeah, going back to your first question, some of the people that we saw give testimonies for what they wanted to do or why they signed up for the course um, was people are saying I'm in between jobs or I've got a job but I've always wanted to figure out Nutanix or I've got a job and I've always wanted to figure out how to go hybrid because I know that's important, or I don't get to work with the public cloud teams because sometimes in, in our customers, we've seen this, the private cloud teams and the public cloud teams are oil and water or cats and dogs, and they do not mix. They actually, we've had some customers where they avoid being in the same meeting. So yeah, our, our what we've seen already from, from course one testimonials is that people are upskilling. It's like family. Yeah, You don't always want to be with your family. People are upskilling because they <laughs> don't have necessarily the opportunity at work for whatever reason, or they know that they want to do this regardless so that they can improve their current work environment. Is So I, I imagine this kind of takes a while for you to complete the course as far as lengthwise. Is there a certain time commitment that you would suggest if, I, if I'm looking at this course, I should probably commit like, you know, so many hours a week to, to get it done? Yeah. And I, I would be Curious, Wayne, Dwayne, if you could also contrast what you kind of, uh, in your nano degree, kind of expected for the implementation. So long story short, and this this will also answer a little bit, is there a cost to the course? Um, students can enroll in a nano degree and they can take their time at doing it. And the cost projection, or actually the time investment projection is really up to the student. So uh, what we outlined in the course is that we figured that between taking the course, the classroom time, and doing the projects to demonstrate your mastery in each course, that should add up between, between 60 and 80 roughly hours of, of student time. And therefore, most students we project are going to do that over one to three months. Really depends on whether they're going to dedicate five hours or 10 hours a week. That's a huge differentiation in how much you can chip away at getting this done. And potentially, if you could do more than 10 or 15 hours, then it's in striking range to potentially do this all in one month. You would have to comprehend everything well and just go through it smooth. Uh, it's not usually that easy, but that's where Udacity has this wonderful community of support to help you kind of get through those learning problems. If, you know, for instance, Dwayne or Mark Lobby didn't explain something perfectly, right? So, um, that's that's what we good chance if I was doing it. <laughs> so what was what was your experience or your recommendation for the nano degree uh, for the course that you took? The the degree we did was around DevOps, but it was fairly high level. Like, I think you didn't take a lot of time to to get through that. And, you know, a lot of the, the DevOps side was around, you know, the people side of the equation. So I think people could go through it pretty fast. Uh, luckily, there was. <laughs> a fairly smart individual from Udacity that was a ex Google engineer that really helped that along too. So pretty, pretty lucky that way. Yeah. So we definitely approached DevOps in a high way, a little bit at the beginning of course three to kind of give a full context to this, but we really don't go deep into it um, because 
the goal in this nanodegree was to make practitioners, to take, you know, somebody who is familiar with AWS or VMware and make them be able to work with and exercise the other side of that equation such that um, they don't care whether it's GCP or AHV or ESX or containers ultimately, right? Hybrid is really more of than one of anything anywhere. And so, um, yeah, abstractly, there's that information, but we had to make practitioners. And so the that helped us focus all of the work, right? We could have spent a whole course just on DevOps, but we really focused on introducing DevOps, the values of it, and how to look at every situation from a hybrid cloud engineer, and then we apply it as much as possible. And so that was the relentless focus we had into making this a 60 to 80 hour course with very little abstraction because everything gets applied. Uh, that was another thing Udacity really helped us hone in on because we we have the, uh, in, at Nutanix training, we have the uh, Enterprise Cloud Administrator course. And so course one is really only 40% of that. We really kind of concentrated that down to what was a little bit more actionable and more needed kind of, we threw away some of the heavy networking and a few people are just like, wow, where, where's, how do I do kind of layer two bridging of clusters and stuff like that. And that's not in the hybrid cloud engineer course, because that's not necessarily what a hybrid cloud engineer is going to be involved in day to day. It may be a business requirement for one thing, but a hybrid cloud engineer is going to be, how do I map all of these business requirements onto all of these infrastructure providers to deliver the business in a SaaS like function a layer two functionality may be a business requirement, certainly, but a hybrid cloud engineer, that's going to be 10% of their work, 90, 80, the 80, 90% of the rest of it is, let's get the applications and the life cycle and the operations of the business mapped to get a SaaS experience out of this. So the, it sounds great. I want to take it, but how much does it cost, Mark? So with Udacity, how I much believe it's a it monthly cost? fixed cost. And uh, they constantly do have promotions that reduce that from maybe down to 50%, but it is a few hundred dollars a month uh, fixed rate. And it's all you can eat at that point uh, for the nano degree uh, time that you want to spend. And there is certainly costs involved on Udacity and Nutanix's side because we are providing ephemeral live clusters. And let me give you a little more details there. Um, we give you frame desktop access directly into a pre-configured Nutanix cluster with Prism Central and Calm up and ready and running so that these are hands-on labs with the real product. And so there's a non-trivial cost behind running all that infrastructure uh, to provide these facilities live for a student. And uh, there's a cost for us too. Yeah, you get what you pay for usually anyway, but that's great knowing that you are getting hands-on instead of, you know, just going through textbook and and video. So that's that's a big deal. Um, it really, really sounds great. So I would encourage people to go over to Udacity and check out the hybrid engineer um, nano degree. Sounds really great. Any parting words, Mark? No, no, not too much. I mean, we really tried, as I said, and Udacity was an incredible partner in this. We really tried to make this a course that is so focused on delivering practitioners, people who have delivered the hybrid cloud, because that's what everybody aspires to, but very few people on the face of this earth have actually delivered it or done it. And we are minting right now, I can tell you, we have over 500 students going through the course. There's another 500 people probably at the end of this month who are hybrid cloud engineers that are hireable now for these skill sets. And that is really why we invested in doing this with Udacity. And it's to make practitioners. 
End of story. Thanks, Mark, for sharing your, the details. Thank you about so much. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to check out all the great content on the Nutanix community at next.nutanix.com. There you'll find our community blog, updates on Nutanix user groups, and of course, Nutanix certification and education information. So with that, from your friends here at Nutanix, have a great week.